press play. Or is it a countdown? So today we are in lesson 12, dealing with sin, and I thought that we would start with the first sin. So let's go to Genesis 3. And if someone could read verses 4 through 6. Four through six, Genesis three. I will serve and start to the woman. You will not you will not truly die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. So we have to understand, you know, the nature of sin here, and why are we? Why do we sin? Here we have Adam and Eve. The first recorded uh, man and woman on earth, and they had everything and anything that they could want or need already provided for them, but one tree and the fruit of that tree. And the serpent came around and showed them this fruit. And it was the lust of the flesh. Thinking the apple was good for us. And then the lust of the eye. How pleasing it was to look at. And then the pride of life. Eve desired more than she already had. And here we have the temptation the shiny object, the act of something I don't have. And that is sometimes where we sin, is from things that we don't have. God talks about not to covet our neighbor or what our neighbor has. And here we have Eve looking in to something that she doesn't have. So how did they respond? And we're going to look at verses 12 and 13 of the same chapter. If someone could read that. The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. They passed the buck. <laughs> they literally just passed the buck. They, the, the man said, the woman whom you gave me, the serpent, the woman says, well, the serpent told me to do it. But how should we respond? And I want to go to Psalms 139. Verses 23 and 24. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. This was a powerful verse that was taught to me early on in life. Me and my wife, we uh, met in January of 2001 and got married in April of 2001. And we had a very short amount of time to get to know each other, get to know our habits, 
how he operated, how he worked, and how to deal with arguments. And through time, we got to learn each other and how we worked and how the other person responded. And one day we were in an argument and we went to our corners to calm down. And while that, this verse came to heart. And as I was praying about this and as I was thinking about this, I was looking within myself. I was humbling myself to figure out what did I do wrong here. And when she was ready to continue the conversation, she came out and she was ready. She had both guns ready. (laughs) And I said, I'm sorry. And this is why I am sorry. Oh, I I think I got her even more mad at me because she was not expecting that. And through time, that really strengthened our marriage and strengthened our relationship with each other. Because when we look within ourselves, we're able to understand what we did wrong. And how we could have handled the situation better. Instead of blaming someone else and pointing the finger at them. Because what do you do when you point the finger at someone else? Three more fingers are being pointed at you. And we need to understand that we need to accept responsibility for our sin. We need to confess and forsake them. If we look at Proverbs 28.13. Proverbs 28.13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them So what does forsake mean? Anyone know what forsake means? To turn away from? Mm -hmm. To abandon. Abandon. To get rid of. Like I did on, as you talked about earlier today, my first trip to the dump. I abandoned, I got rid of the sinful things that I had from my previous life. And there we have to reflect again look within ourselves to see what is hindering us. Because sin is a hindrance. It's Once we start sinning, it just snowball effects. Unless we have that relationship with Christ. If we look at Psalm 119, 9 through 11. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11. So how do we treasure God's word in our heart? Well, there are three things that we could do. We could read his word every day. We could meditate on his word every day and throughout the day. And we could pray throughout the day as well. Jasmine has a handout for you that is something that I received a number of years ago. And it's how to have a quiet time with you won't want to miss. Just something for you to look at if you want to use use it 
but it was something where I was able to kind of um, introduce to my own self on how to have a quiet time. And it was using these three methods. If somebody could look up Deuteronomy 17 verses 18 through 20. should be. We should be in God's word every day, learning something new. In Joshua 1.8, if somebody could read Joshua 1.8. telling Joshua to meditate on his word day and night. Not just when you read it in the morning and then go about your day. This should be thought about throughout your day. And on this paper here it talks about to write it down on a, on a note card and think about it throughout the day. Meditate on it. And we need to hold God's word in our heart. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, three simple words, pray without ceasing. We are to be praying throughout the day. Having that conversation with God. And with these three items of daily reading meditating on the word and praying over the word this will help you to avoid the sin it will also help you if you do sin to confess of it and to be able to abandon it and move on throughout your day because once you get into a snowball effect of sin you're going to be more ashamed to come back to the word. You're going to be more apt to, to fall into the world instead of in the word. And when we are daily reading and meditating and praying, that protects us and helps us so we don't fall into that trap. Um, last week I read from a book, um, Heart Christ Home, and I'd like to read a little bit more from that book. Here, the man is, is going through into his living room with Christ. We moved next into the living room. There was a quiet, comfortable room with a warm atmosphere. I liked it. It had a fireplace, a sofa, overstuffed chairs, a bookcase, and an intimate atmosphere. He also seemed pleased with it, he said. Indeed, this is a delightful room. Let's come here often. It's secluded and quiet, and we could have good talks and fellowship together. Well, nat well, naturally, as a young Christian, I was thrilled. I couldn't think of anything I would rather do than have a few minutes alone with Christ in close companionship. He promised I will be here every morning, early. Meet me here 
and we will start the day together. So morning after morning, I would go downstairs to the living room. He would take a book of the Bible from a bookcase, open it, and would read it together. He would unfold to me the wonder of God's savings truth recorded on its pages and make my heart sing as he shared all he had done for me and would be to me. These times together were wonderful. Through the Bible and his Holy Spirit, he would talk to me. In prayer, I would respond. So our friendship deepened in these quiet times of personal conversation. There's more to it, but with this here, and I know I saw the movie War Room outside at one point in time. Do we have a personal room where it's free from electronics, free from distractions, that we could go and spend time with God? to read his word, to pray, and to meditate. It's important to have a room set aside. As in the movie, The War Room, if you haven't seen it, it's about a lady who is a pastor's wife, who her war room was her closet. And she went in there and she prayed. And prayed and prayed and read and prayed. And that was a room that she was connected with in order to spend time with God, which we need to do on a daily basis. We need to surround ourselves with other Christians. Attend Sunday in the morning and the evening, if we're able to. Wednesday nights, the church has other... uh, and. Going into the future, we have other things that we could do with other believers. When we surround ourselves with other people of like-minded, we are able to be grounded in God's Word. Because otherwise, we're sucked into the world. And with the world that we live in today, we need the accountability from others. We need to be able to be mindful of what we're doing. Pastor spoke about uh, music earlier today. And I always referred this is to garbage in, garbage out. What are we feeding our mind? What are we listening to? What kind of books are we reading? What kind of movies are we watching? Are they of garbage? Or are they that would honor Christ? Is it something that you would be ashamed to be listening to or watching if the pastor were to come over or were, um, your wife were to come in or your husband? Or is it something that you have no problem sharing? Because we need to be of the world of the word and not of the world. If we go look at Romans twelve two. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. One letter, one letter changes these two words. The letter L. And it's up to us to figure out, do we want to be in the Word? Do we want to be praying to God? Do we want to be with God? Or do we want to be of the world? The world can consume us so quickly. Just in a moment's notice, we we get consumed into it. Or we can look within ourselves and see what we could do differently to maintain 
our presence within the word. We look at Ephesians 5, verses 5 through 12. Again, you know, where our mindset? We have the choice. God gave us that choice. Just as Adam and Eve had the choice to take that apple and eat it. Are we going to take the apple and eat it? Or are we going to follow the road that God gives us? It is a narrow road very narrow but we need to understand that the narrow road is the right road to go down we have and are given choices in life and it's up to us to choose what angle we want to go down I accepted Christ in the year 2000 And it's been a beautiful ride ever since. I've learned from many men, from many women that teach. The point, though, is where and what are we going to do? Are we going to learn? Are we going to grow? Or are we going to stay stagnant? And it's all up to What kind of relationship do we want to have with Christ? We have Adam who sinned first, but we have Christ who died for our sins. Mm -hmm. If we go to Genesis 5, verses 22 and 23. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah, 300 years and begat sons and daughters and all the days of Enoch were 365 years Enoch walked with God Adam walked with God and there were other men in the Old Testament that had the pleasure of walking with God but Enoch was special God saw something in him and took him and rewarded him. Um, no, don't have it. So the choice is what kind of relationship do you want? Do you want a relationship with Christ like you do with your spouse? Or your parents? Do you want a relationship with Christ like you do of a friend? Or do you want a relationship with Christ of one of an acquaintance? Can you imagine only spending time with your spouse on Sunday morning and that's it? No other communication throughout the week. Just Sunday morning for an hour and a half, and that's it. What kind of relationship would that be? What's that? Shallow. Shallow. Less arguments. (laughs) 
<laughs> but is that a relationship that Christ wants with us? Christ wants a relationship with us throughout our day. As we go back to daily reading the word, daily meditating throughout the day. Me and my wife communicate throughout the day. Every time she's on a break, she either texts me or calls me. Or if I'm doing something and reminded of something, I'll text her. And when she has a break, she'll respond back. Before cell phones, we used to write notes to each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are those? A piece of paper and a pen and... You write down a note or a letter, and we we exchange them. Now we won't go into spelling. (laughs) But the purpose is, if you really look at your relationship with Christ, what kind do you have? Is it one where you're only here? Your relationship is only on Sundays. Or Wednesday nights? Or do you have a relationship with them throughout the week? Throughout the days? Because God created man for what? Hmm? Why did God create man? For a relationship. He didn't need us. He, he didn't need... He had everything. But he wanted our companionship. He wanted our friendship. So he created us in his image. (laughs) That's an amazing thing. For someone to create me in their image, why would I only spend time with them once a week? Why not throughout the day? Why not? Listen to him and hear what does he have in store for me? Because I know there's so much more in store for my life that I don't even know of yet. Will I have this business for 10 years, 20 years, for two more years? Will I be traveling along the way? Or will God take me to heaven tomorrow? Or will it be in 40 years? In order to understand our purpose, we need to have that relationship. Me and my wife were in a different relationship than we were when we got married. Because now we have no kids. (laughs) We are empty nesters. We are enjoying the company of each other and what a marriage is about. And it's that relationship that builds us stronger together. Sure, nothing's perfect. But I could feel with my heart that I have a strong marriage. And I thank God every day that he put her in my life. And I thank God every day for the marriage that I have. Because of God... God is the center of the marriage. So, when we look at blame, or looking at sin, which is what the chapter is all about, how do we respond to it? Are you going to try to hide and blame someone else? Or do you have that kind of relationship with Christ where you go, I'm sorry, I screwed up. Will you forgive me and help me to abandon this from my life? That's all God wants. But we need to make sure to abandon it. And not continuously doing it over and over and over again. Because God wants us to 
have a strong relationship with him. And if we're continually sinning every day, every day, every day, every day, the same thing over and over and over again, well, Einstein said, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result is just insanity. We need to make sure that we are growing in Christ. And that's what the relationship is about. And when we sin, we need to make sure to own up to where we erred, where we screwed up. And we need Psalm 139 so we can look within ourselves so God can search my heart and show me what I need to do differently. Do I need to choose new friends? Do I need to listen to different music? Do I need a different job because the job I have is not in a good atmosphere? And I, I've seen that before with other men. We need to evaluate our lives to see where can I have that separation? And in the book, it talks about the separation. Where, how do I keep the influence of a sinful world from affecting me? Well, A, don't involve yourself with sinful activities. Of course, you must associate with lost people, right? Pastors challenging us to hand out the um, pamphlet to share, to share God with others, asking people if they know Christ. So you, I'm not saying to put yourself in a bubble, but don't participate in those activities. Me and my wife made a agreement when we got married that we would not drink alcohol. So when we're around other people that are drinking, we politely say no thank you and move on. It's not that we have a problem, but it's just something that we decided when we were having young kids in the house that alcohol was not a good idea. It was a personal choice. But again, it could be sinful to others. And we need to separate ourselves. Separate yourself from the ways of the world and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. As I talked about, you know, having that relationship with Christ and what kind of relationship you have with him will determine on how you're separating yourself from the world versus with God. And number three is realize separation is also a positive thing. Not only are you to be separate from the world, but you are to separate yourself unto the gospel. Now, I chose, when we bought this house in June, I chose a room that would be my solitary, solitary room. No electronics. It's just me and God. And there are times where the road gets a hold of me and I don't go in the room. And that saddens me. Because I let the world get a hold of me. But there are a lot of times where I'm in there and I'm using either a devotional or a study guide and I'm spending time with God. Because that helps me to, number one, be a better husband. It helps me to be a better boss to my employees. It helps me to be a better owner a better friend, a better person.
it's all about your relationship with Christ. It's how you're going to deal with sin. And having a strong relationship with Christ will allow you to move forward and move on and abandon your old ways. But it's up to you on what you want to do. Because God gave us that freedom. But I challenge you, if you don't have a quiet time, look this over. Spend some time with God in the morning. And meditate, write, it, write down a key verse on a note card. And meditate, read it throughout the day. And meditate on it. What does God want you to learn from that verse? Pray throughout the day. Now, prayer is a communication with God. And it's supposed to be a two-way street. It's not just you with a laundry list of prayers. But it's time for you to listen to God as well. And it's up to us on how we want to do that. We need to humble ourselves. If we can look at Proverbs 28.13. Proverbs 28.13. First John one nine. Hmm? Go ahead, Diego. We are fortunate. We live where we live. We have the freedom to be and choose Christ without persecution. Now granted, there could be some name calling or but the persecution that we may see is nowhere near what other third world countries may see which we are very lucky and blessed to be here. God chose us to be living in this era that we're in. God chose us and the people that we were hanging out with, that we're married to, our kids, our parents. It's up to us how we choose to have those relationships. I know that there are times where my relationship with my blood family is not as strong as my church family. And I feel blessed to be at this church. Even though I've only been here a short amount of time, I feel like I built some good relationships. And again, that's up to you on how you build those relationships. Just like we saw in Acts, as Brother Sam was teaching on the church, we come together, we break bread, and we worship together. So how do we deal with sin? Number one, we need to have a relationship with Christ. And we need to have a strong one with Him. Two, we need to humble ourselves. And we need to look within ourselves to see what we did wrong. And three, we need to confess. 
our sins to Christ. We need to confess if we offended someone else. And we need to make things right. I know a couple weeks ago, I got upset with my dad. And I was angry with him. And over the phone, and, and I, I was just, just dumbfounded and just angry and just, you know, just couldn't talk. Well, the next day, I called him up to apologize because I know I should not have gotten angry with him. His response is, you get mad at me anytime you want. <laughs> I'm your dad. <laughs> it is what it is. I gotta understand that, but I feel like I need to make it right. Because that's what God calls me to do. So there we have how to deal with sin. I'm working on the time. I know I have ten extra minutes. Any any questions, comments, jokes, or complaints? Well, something when you were mentioning confess your sin, you know, I'm not the only one, I'm sure. But we all have probably hang ups in our life or some kind of habit or something that sometimes, man, I really need to like curb this or, you know, mine, I'm what? I hate it, and those are things I pray about, but I think I need to learn to, you know, take care of myself a little better. But there's, everyone has these little things throughout life. Some of them are bigger than others. Um, but one of the things that, um, when you talk about confessing, it's hard to confess when you're having a hard time letting go of something. Okay? But God still tells you to confess because I think that's what's going to help you let go of it is by letting him know, I know I have these problems and then asking him to help you. Whoever it may be. I'm not saying you. Right. I'm just saying in general, and that's one of the reasons we need to communicate, as you said, sit alone, build a relationship talk to God and we talked about this morning in prayer is just ask him and confess to him and let him help us with those things that are hard in our life. There's always something in someone's life that's hard to shake. Uh, somebody could have a, a temper and they snap with people or you know somebody could let the world Let's say this is a hot button subject: is politics, and they let they react to it, and then they maybe get in a little spat with somebody, whether they're lost or not. Um, those are little things that, as we grow, we learn to curb mm-hmm. and try not to get involved in because it's not fruitful in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I've talked to a pastor about you know the times that. My spouse and I used to argue a lot. I mentioned that to you this morning. I used to argue a lot, but in the last two years, I've learned to even know if I'm absolutely positively right to just let it go. <laughs> let her have what she wants to say. Even though in my mind, I know I'm right and I can prove it. <laughs> I don't even let her know that. I just learn to say, God, take this away from me. I don't need to be the winner. It's not an important subject. It's not important to life or death or anything else. Just let it go. Sometimes, because it's a pride thing, you know, I want to be the one that's right and you need to take the answer. And those are things that you learn to do. I think it's harder with your spouse more than anything. Or, you know, close family members. We tend to argue more with them. But, um, those are things that, you, those are little sins. And it all goes back to the very first sin. Mm-hmm. Is me, mm-hmm. mine, you know, the, the temptation was, you can be like God. And yeah. that is a 
self-gratifying feeling. And I want to satisfy me. Mm -hmm. But in a relationship with Christ and with each other, it's not about satisfying ourselves. It's about giving ourselves. Even letting them have a pass and forgiving those that wrong you. Mm -hmm. It's a hard thing to do uh, emotionally. You, know? you have to train yourself to do it. One well, talks about turning the other cheek. Yeah. You know? And and those those are the things that we gotta look at and but it's the separation. Mm-hmm. It's understanding what's important and what's not. It's uh also if you struggle with something you're asking God to help you and help you, sometimes you need a human accountability person. Mm-hmm. Somebody that you can go to and go, I am really struggling with this. I need help. Can you pray for me? Can you pray with me? Can you hold me accountable? And it's learning things of, of how to abandon, how to get rid of. You know, Paul talked about, uh, you know, pluck your eye out because it's better, it's better to, to uh, have not the eye versus the sin. You know, what do we need to remove from our life to, to get away from from those sins. That's that's the thing. The self. That's the hard part. Is, is it going. is. It's very hard. Yeah. For everyone, we're we're. I don't know if that's humans in in general, but in America, we're very. You're taught self-esteem and uh, the mean philosophies, and it's even grounded. Everybody feels proud of yourself. Don't ever talk bad about yourself. Look at Second Corinthians ten five. Second Corinthians ten five. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Don't allow sinful thoughts to control your mind. When we get that anger, or we get, we know we're getting to that point. We need to, okay, Satan, get behind me. We need to change that thought process, and we need to step away from the situation. And, and sometimes that, that's the hard part, is to know when, I mean, <laughs> you look at Kenny Rogers' song, The Gambler. Yeah. <laughs> no, no one to fold him, no one to quit, no one to walk away. You know, and that's one of those things we've got we to gotta know. And we've got to trust God 
We gotta trust God to help us. We were born into this world with a me, me, me attitude. Feed me, hold me, change me. <laughs> Love me. <laughs> and then sometimes we don't know why they're crying. They're just crying. We're born into the world through with sin. And through accepting Christ, we're able to walk away from it. that I'm going to close in prayer Lord I thank you for this time that we have tonight to go over the study of how to deal with sin and we love you Lord we thank you for sending your son to be an example for us to take the ultimate sacrifice and die for us but we rejoice that he rose on the third day So, I thank you, Lord, for those that are here, those who are listening. I just ask that we just build our relationship with you and with other people in this church. Lord, thank you for this time. We ask that you protect us throughout this week and be with us until we meet again. In your son's name I pray, amen. What button do I push? Stop. Stop.